Welcome to Voices, a podcast from the Institute for Human Rights and Business. Here, we're seeking to elevate the range of perspectives on the role of business in the world and in people's everyday lives. My name is Annabelle Short, and I'm here with Kieran Pereira to talk about sand. When we think of sand, our minds most likely turn to beaches, and not that it's the world's most extracted and traded natural resource other than water. Sand is the main ingredient in concrete, asphalt, and glass. Kieran is the founder and chief storyteller at Sand Stories. Thanks for joining me today, Kieran. Thanks for having me. So first, um, why sand? <laughs> there are many natural resources with you know, major implications for people and for the planet. So what was it that made you decide to focus on sand? Um, I grew up in Bangalore in uh, South India. And uh, some of my earliest memories have to do with uh, going to a public tap to fetch water. Um, and, and it was, you know, people get pretty nasty at when you're fighting for water. Um, so that kind of left a deep impression and water has always been very dear to my heart. Um, so when I grew, as I was growing up, I constantly read reports about uh, rivers being decimated because of sand mining. And uh, at the same time, I saw hundreds and hundreds of trucks filled with sand flying up and down the roads of Bangalore. Um, and I knew that all the sand was coming from these precious places that are so vulnerable to extraction. Yeah. So this kind of contrast got to me um, and I uh, decided to study further. I came to London 10 years ago to do my master's um, and this sand mining was a topic of my um, dissertation. Um, and after I finished it, I must confess, I felt so disillusioned about the kind of world we were building and. Um, you know, what the kind of world we were leaving behind for future generations. So I think for me personally, uh, taking action was my way of connecting with hope and connecting with agency because s sand and water are interconnected. They're two sides of the same coin. You cannot uh, look at one without looking at the other. So that's what brought me to sand. That's wonderful. And we'll definitely get back to the hope and agency point later in the conversation, because I think that's fundamentally important. Um, when you say they're fundamentally connected, um, obviously, in the sort of mining of sand um, and, and obtaining sand, um, do you want to just explain a little bit about the ways and you know, why sand is such a major resource? Um, there have been some incredible statistics I saw recently about quite how much sand we use in ways that people yes. don't think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's the resource that is most extracted and consumed, um, second only to water. Um, so, I mean, it's hard to wrap our head around. Uh, they estimate uh, that we extract about 50 billion tons of sand each year. Um, and I mean, those numbers mean very little. But recently, uh, you know, Professor Daniel Franks uh, from Australia wrote a paper that was quite revealing. He said, um, if you look at gold and you look at the amount of gold that has been extracted in all of human history, it, it could be, it could fill about three Olympic sized swimming pools. But if you look at sand and gravel and the amount that's being extracted each year would not fill even 10 million Olympic sized swimming pools. So, that kind of gives you the, the scale. It's just massive. 
and all the sand is being extracted from um, uh, inland quarries, it's being extracted from riverbeds, it's being extracted from the bottom of the sea. And when we extract sand in such massive volumes, there are also um, incredible number, number of impacts. So uh, sand extraction um, is leading to, I mean, it's one of the, the UNDP has called it because the scale of extraction is so huge that it's one of the major sustainability challenges of the 21st century. And, uh, uh, you know, it amazes me that not many people know this yet. So uh, that's, that, that's kind of what drives uh, my mission at, at Sand Stories. Drawing, drawing attention to the issues, yeah. And so say more, in terms of the places where sand is mined, um, it seems that there are multiple impacts in people's lives. If you were to call out maybe sort of two of the major ones that you've come across um, in person and through telling, telling the stories, on sand stories, what would they be? I mean, there are, so um, in, in places like uh, where development is high on the agenda and when people, where infrastructure is still being built up, uh, there are you know, places like India and uh, some, some countries in Africa, there, there's a sand mafia. So people actually get killed with, you know, for sand. Uh, sand is a fundamental resource. Concrete contains about 60 to 75% sand and gravel. Glass contains about 70% sand. So these two alone, if you, wherever you are, if you look around you, you see glass and concrete everywhere around you. And these two alone seem to have become the mainstay of cities. So extraction comes at a cost, and this cost is usually externalized onto the environment and onto uh, societies. That's something that's not factored in, into the cost of concrete. Um, there are plenty more impacts. So uh, it has huge impacts on biodiversity and we are only beginning to find out the kind of uh, impacts. Human, on, on the whole, human activities have had a, quite a dire impact on biodiversity. Uh, animal populations have fallen by 68% since 1970. That's the latest research, the Living Planet report that came out last week. It was devastating. So I think um, it's, it's quite, we are at quite a crucial point in human history where we do need to focus on solutions and alternatives uh, and pivot. And we can do this. And that's, that's the message that I want to leave loud and clear, that sand is a finite resource. Extraction comes at a cost, but it doesn't have to be this way. There are many, many alternatives. Um, that, that we could talk about. Yeah. Ab abs absolutely right. Um, and I think the point around it being a finite, finite resource is an important one in, t in terms of people having images of an endless desert. And am I right, though, that desert sand can't be used in construction, yes, for that's example? Right. right. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Uh, the, so that, that was um, surprising to me when I first learned it. Uh, like everybody else, I was like, well, what about the, you know, sand from the desert? Surely there's, there's there's miles and miles of sand. Um, and I was surprised to learn that it, it's largely unusable for industrial concrete and, uh, or land reclamation because the grains are too rounded and too um, smoothed by the wind. What you need for concrete is angular sand that kind of locks in place and provides structural integrity. And desert sand doesn't do that. So uh, that's why the number of sources, while the number of uses of sand are increasing exponentially, the number of sources or places where it comes from aren't really. So uh, that's what's causing the massive, um, you know, uh, 
demand-supply uh, skewed ratio kind of a thing is, is, is the problem. Yeah. And you, you touched on, yeah, when people are living in buildings, they often are working in buildings, using buildings, seeing them being constructed everywhere. Um, their minds don't turn in the same way as maybe when you're buying clothes. People think about the garment supply chains. Um, it seems like a supply chain that's somewhat gone under the radar and there's limited awareness um, of the impacts of sand. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is? And if you could touch very briefly on some of the governance issues in terms of how we think about this as a supply chain and, and why it might have fallen through the gaps a bit so far in terms of um, accountability, responsibility, roles of the different companies that are involved, etc. I imagine it's a, um, you know, there are many reasons to it, but some that I can uh, immediately think of is that um, for one, not many people know that it's a non-renewable resource. Sand is formed over thousands and thousands, even millions of years. Um, so when we, uh, you know, when we talk about quarries, we can exhaust a quarry, an inland quarry, in a matter of decades, 20, 30 years at the most. And, you know, the, just the disparity between that kind of uh, how long nature takes to form sand and how... how fast humans are consuming sand is not something that many people know. Second thing is that I think the world we've built, we seem to operate in silos. So the construction industry, for example, doesn't call it sand, they call it aggregate. Mm -hmm. um, whereas that means very little to uh, the general public. So the general public, when they think about sand, I think they think about beaches and holidays and you know that sort of thing. Um, if you talk about the mining industry, the mining industry doesn't call it sand either. They call it ores, you know. So, uh, so between aggregates and ores, we are all speaking a different language. And um, if you step back and look at the big picture, that's when you realize how much uh, everything is interconnected. Absolutely. Break, breaking down those silos. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yes, turning to Hope and Agency, it really struck me on one of the stories on your website, Sam Stories, when you said that, you know, one of the motivations for embarking on the project was to reconnect with hope and a sense of agency, mm -hmm. both of which are needed now more than ever. Um, what's giving you hope? Uh, you mentioned earlier that there are solutions out there, and so I'd love to hear your thoughts on what are those solutions and, and what are the ways that you're hoping by drawing more attention to this issue, it's going to scale up the action that's really needed. Absolutely. I mean, there, there are plenty of examples, and this is what still keeps me going. Um, so there are many industries that are now beginning to use recycled aggregate. It's, uh, there, there's a company that I featured in my forthcoming book that they have, um, they have um, managed to recycle sand and gravel from construction and demolition waste, uh, about 80 million tons so far. So, I mean, that's fantastic. There are so many service providers out there who are doing a phenomenal job of recycling construction and demolition aggregate um, and not, not allowing it to go to the landfill because I'm not sure people are aware that the construction industry is the world's largest consumer of resources. Um, and it consumes over 50% of the steel that's produced in the world. It, it's responsible overall for about 25 to 40% of global carbon emissions as an industry. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of impact, there's a lot of change that can happen by changing the how the construction industry operates. Um, so using recycled material is, is one solution. Other solutions are 
completely sidestepping the need for sand. So looking at alternate materials, renewable materials. Timber, for instance, is a renewable material. So um, now there's a race on to build the world's tallest skyscraper, mm -hmm. they call it. Um, so these are wooden skyscrapers, you know, things like that, because timber, responsibly sourced timber is a renewable resource. Um, where sand and gravel will not be, the sand that we extract today will not be replaced in our lifetimes or our children's lifetimes or even their children's for that matter. So we're talking about, um, you know, it's, it's moving to renewable resources like, like sand, like um, straw bale, for example. So there are plenty of examples um, like that. Another company called Biome, um, and this this company is also featured in my book, and I was really inspired by what they're doing and their vision and you know where they want to go. They're on a path to develop something called um, I mean it doesn't exist yet, but they're on a path to build plant-based concrete. It's it's a wonderful vision to have, and it's something that's renewable, something that's regenerative. Um, and, but at the moment, what's really exciting is that they have developed. Um, building materials from food and agricultural uh, waste products. So they have built um, uh, construction material that is built from agricultural waste like coffee chaff or corn husks or, um, you know, blue pea flowers and yeah, so things like this. So, I mean, uh, Projects like this really give me hope and a sense of humans are incredibly creative. We definitely have the ability to come up with solutions. We just need to look for, look for them. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I think I also saw um, a story of a former apartment building block that's being sort of broken down but then rebuilt on site. Is that right? In the Netherlands? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And talking about Netherlands, for example, Amsterdam has you know, as a city, they've decided to go to become 100% circular by 2050. They're, they're following Kate Ravert's um, donut model. I don't know if you've heard of that, but that's definitely worth reading. That book is definitely worth reading. Um, and so, I mean, there's so many examples of positivity and change around the world. And um, there are definitely solutions to the global sand crisis. Absolutely. So then when we take these examples of innovation and, and people who are really driving change, what do you see as needing to really happen to drive those changes at scale? And do you see a key role for governments here? Do you see um, investors playing a key role in trying to one sort of drive practices away from the harmful uses of sand and then into alternatives? Sort of what do you see as some of the key levers if you were to make demands of, of actors who are influencing the way that industry operates. Absolutely. I, I think the first key demand would be to implement existing standards and practices. Mm -hmm. um, in many parts of the world, including the UK, there are many laws um, and you know, many places are protected on paper, but not in reality. Um, and, and that needs to change. You know? uh, laws mean very little if they're not implemented. So uh, that's the first step. I think the second step is that public procurement has to pay, uh, play a huge part. Um, you can see Norway, for example, is doing a phenomenal job of leading, um, you know, uh, sand uh, sourcing through recycled. Uh, they're using recycled uh, sand aggregate from construction and demolition waste. So public procurement has a large part, uh, role to play because governments across the world are the largest consumer of sand and uh, gravel. 
um, they are the ones that are commissioning roads and buildings and you know that sort of thing. So it's it's very important that the drive uh, for responsible sourcing comes from governments. I think the UNEP report is quite clear that the limitation to responsible sand extraction is not technical. It's really an issue of raising awareness and governance. And so that's uh, a very important role for um, governments. As far as investors are concerned, I would urge you to consider uh, encouraging, uh, you know, buildings, uh, encouraging the circular economy. It's important to to invest in buildings that think about the end of life, particularly because we have um, because we have uh, you know so as per the IPCC report, we have very little time this window of opportunity that we have to prevent runaway climate change. So I think using working with the existing stock of buildings that we already have, particularly in places like Europe or the US where you know infrastructure is already built up. It's very important to do that, to work with the existing infrastructure, retrofit them. Um, that's why I love the Architect Journal's uh, campaign to you know, encourage and champion the use of uh, reuse in the built environment. Yes, absolutely. Okay, and I know that you have a book coming out soon. Um, what's the book going to be called? And, and <laughs> Sand Stories. Sand, sand <laughs> surprise, stories. surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and off the back of the book, what would be your vision, let's say sort of five years from now, if, if the stories that you're telling and your advocacy have had the impact that you're hoping them to have, what, what would be your dream? So it would be my dream to see um, cities that are completely using re either recycled aggregate or completely, you know, uh, renewable resources in order to build their cities and, uh, you know, uh, where we have thriving ecosystems that are uh, and people who are thriving, learning new skills, and yeah, so that's my vision. It's wonderful. And anything else that you would like to share with our listeners? Um, follow Sand Stories, I guess. <laughs> so. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll certainly point people to it, and, and good luck with your work. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you, Kieran.